uh, one of the big heartbeats for our church, one of our core values is to engage the community. And so uh, we always said when we plant a church, we want to add value where we are. And so uh, that's what we were able to do a couple weekends ago. Uh, thank you so much for volunteering, those who give for that, uh, volunteer for that, and, and who have been praying for that too. That's a big deal, a really big deal for us to connect with those who are around us. So uh, how is everybody doing today? Okay. Yeah. Alive and well. Very good. Um, I, I, this is the only time I'm going to bring it up, but uh, go dogs, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So hopefully I didn't lose you. Just come back in, okay? Hopefully I didn't lose you. Uh, so we are in a series. Uh, my name is Daniel Kazanave. I'm the pastor here at the Bridge Church, and uh, it, it is a complete honor and a privilege uh, just to do life with each and every one of you. Uh, you are a blessing to me, and so we are incredibly thankful that we get to walk in community together. Uh, but we're in a series uh, through the book of Daniel, and this book is pretty fascinating and eye-opening, and uh, it's incredible to see how relevant it is for us today. Uh, we've uh, worked all the way through Daniel chapter 4. Today we're in Daniel chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. Uh, we're going to read through a, a few pieces of that, but uh, I just want to pray for us, ask God to speak to our hearts. You see, I have a little uh, uh, funny story about this. Uh, this is a uh, scale balance. I ordered one off of Amazon, and it was not a functioning scale balance. It was just for decoration. Then I went to Hobby Lobby. They don't have any ones that are functioning. This is just all for uh, looks, and so we had to kind of make it to where it would actually... Uh, balance the scales out there. So kind of funny. They don't even, uh, they just like it for decor, I guess. I don't know. But um, let me pray for us. Daniel chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13 and I'm going to pray and then we'll be there in just a few moments. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for each and every person that's here in this room and can hear my voice online. God, I know that there's a lot going on in our world today. I know there's a lot going on in our individual worlds. God, I just pray over the next few moments that we can take that weight and we can lay it at your feet, God. That we can take a deep breath just to receive your word, to receive your truth, to receive your wisdom during this time. God, I pray right now over the next few moments that those who need to be comforted, that they feel your comfort. They feel your peace, God. That you would, that you would move and work inside of this local community. God, I pray that you stir our souls for your mission and for your heart to live out uh, this calling that you have given us, God. I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. And we ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Well, uh, the message for uh, the title for the message today is the writing on the wall, the writing on the wall. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Oh, the writing is on the wall. And most of the time it's used in a uh, heavier kind of negative connotation, right? It's, uh, oh, I've, I see the writing on the wall. Doom is getting ready to happen. I'm, the writing's on the wall. I know what's going to happen at my job. The writing's on the wall. I know what's going to happen with him or know what's going to happen with her. And that phrase originally right here in Daniel chapter 5. We see that the writing on the wall, it means something. And the reason why it's, uh, it carries this weight is we're going to see today here in Daniel chapter 5. But in order to catch us up, for us to understand where we're at in context, especially if you're just maybe joining us for the first time, Daniel is a prophet. He is a young man here in Daniel chapter 5. He's actually older now. Uh, but he was taken into captivity. A city called Babylon came in and took 
took over Daniel's people and took him captive, took him as a slave, and they moved to Babylon. And so Daniel's trying to navigate this world that he has no clue what it is like, no clue what the society is like. He grew up Jewish, learning about God, and here now he's in a Babylon city where uh, they worship the whoever the emperor is, whoever the king is. And, and so he's having to navigate through all of this, and we've seen how God shows up in each chapter. Well, we got to Daniel chapter 4, and from Daniel chapter 4 to Daniel chapter 5, there's a pretty significant shift here in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter 4, we see King Nebuchadnezzar. We've been calling him King Neb. Uh, He has been in reign throughout this entire time. Now his grandson is the king, Belshazzar, in Daniel chapter 5. And we see that 23 years has passed from Daniel 4 to Daniel 5. And so Daniel, uh, most people believe uh, he, so it's been 70 years since Daniel 1 when he was taken into captivity. So he's older than that. They believe he was an older teenager when he got taken into captivity. And so in Daniel 5, it's about 70 years since that event. So he's 80 plus now as he's walking through this. He's not very from the story we're going to see. He doesn't seem to be very active on the king's court anymore. Um, you're going to see why we believe that when we read it here in Daniel chapter 5. Uh, but something happens here right off the bat in Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar, he is in charge. And he has all of his nobles and all of his kings. And so what he, do, what he does is he calls and he says, you know what? Get all of my a thousand nobles and we're going to get together and we're going to party it up. We're going to bring in the wine. We're going to bring in the ladies. We're going to bring in all of these different pieces, right? We're going to bring in the gold. Find me all the gold and let's just stack it up. Bring the wine, bring the food. Let's have a feast. And so he throws a party. Well, what's happening behind the scenes is that there's the two countries that are getting ready to come and take over Babylon. And some scholars even believe he knew this. That's why he called the party. He, he wasn't sure what to do or he thought that was soon uh, to happen. And so he threw the party as kind of this last little hoorah for him and his country. And, and, and so he's, he's throwing this party. Well, he realizes that there are these gold pieces of cups and gold pieces that were taken from uh, Jerusalem, taken from the temple. And so he calls his nobles and he says, go get all of those uh, nice fancy cups that were taken from the Jewish people. And let's fill them up. Let's use them in our party, right? And so this is all happening. And we see that Belshazzar, he has erected all of these other gods that they worship. They worship the uh, God of gold. They worship all the kind of statues. They worship himself as king. And so he's done this all throughout his reign. And so the writing on the wall happens because right in the middle of this party, get this, this is one of the most eerie stories we see here in the Bible. In Daniel chapter 5, they're in the middle of this party. The music is pumping, the drinks are going, and all of this is happening. And all of a sudden, a hand that everyone can see floats up to the wall. Everyone can see this hand. Can you imagine? I'm talking about a hand floats up, and the hand begins to write this message on the wall, the writing on the wall. Of course, everybody is beside themselves. They don't know what to do. I would assume the room kind of scatters. I mean, I'm probably out of there, right? And the room scatters and Belshazzar is left going, what does this mean? Like, what is happening? And during those days, we see in Daniel uh, chapter 2 and 3, when they're trying to interpret dreams, they have these magicians and these wise men that they call. So he calls them in again. He's like, what does this mean? There's a, a, a literal hand wrote this on the wall. 
Paul. And what does this mean? And nobody could understand what this means. And then the Bible describes the, the queen mother. So most people believe that uh, it was probably somebody who was married to Nebuchadnezzar during those times. And so the queen mother goes, you know, there was a man... Uh, back in the day that used to help your grandfather, used to help King Nebuchadnezzar understand all of these themes, all of these dreams. And I love this. This is a pretty incredible. You know how she describes him? This is a man that has the holy God living in him. I love that description. She's like, he has the holy God living in him. And he understands these, these riddles and these problems and these dreams. And you, you should probably call him. So Daniel, they have to call Daniel in. And that's why I say he's probably not on the immediate king's court anymore. Because they have to go find him. And they find Daniel. And Daniel walks in. And he kind of, he knows what's happening around him. But he walks in and he sees that they're using God's holy instruments to worship their pagans. And all of this. And he sees this. And so you see Daniel get a little harsh in here and he begins to pray and God gives him wisdom for what these saying means. And so we start here in Daniel chapter five, verse 13. Everybody still good? Very good. Verse 13, it says, so Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight, understanding and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I am told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes, royal honor, and you will have a good chain placed around your neck. You will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. I love this, right? Third highest. Most people, uh, when, we, when we read this, we see this and Daniel responds. We're not going to continue to read there. We're going to skip down and read in verse 22, but it's pretty incredible because Daniel's response, he's a little upset. He's a little taken back at what is happening around him. And he goes, I, I don't, you keep everything. I'm going to interpret this, but you keep everything. I don't want to be promoted. I don't want the gold. I don't want anything on my neck. I just want you to know what God is going to say here. I want you to know what the writing on the wall means. But I want to just talk for a second because I love that this is a pagan, um, non-worshipping God community. And they recognize that Daniel had the holy God living in him. Something about Daniel set him apart from everybody else around him where they said, wow, this, this guy's different. He has wisdom. He has knowledge. He has understanding that is that far surpasses everybody else. And every time we ask him, he gives God credit. And so they equate that. Oh, you have wisdom. Oh, you have understanding. Oh, you've had success. You keep telling me it's because of your holy God, right? And we talked about one of the previous weeks that we need to make it a habit of giving God credit, right? Giving him the glory because this begins to build up and God is using that. But you and I, as believers in Christ, when we pray to receive Christ, give our lives to him. Ephesians 1.13 tells us that we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive God's 
presence in us. And that's a beautiful thing because you and I, everywhere we go now, guess what? We have the presence of God dwelling in us and through us. And we have that. We are the salt of the salt of the world. We are the light, right? In every instance, in every place we go, we can lean on his presence. We can lean on what he has for us. And if you remember in Acts chapter 4, when the disciples were brought up before the people, right? What was their description of those disciples? They said, wow, these are ordinary men, fishermen. How, how can they have all of this knowledge and all of this wisdom? And then the Bible says, you know what? I can tell that they've been with Jesus, right? I can tell that they have spent time with him. They've learned from him. They've shaped their life from his teaching and from his ways. And I can just tell that these guys have been with Jesus. And I, my prayer for my life, I hope when people look at my life, they go, wow. He's been with Jesus. He's been spending some time with the Holy Spirit. He's been spending some time walking with God. And that's my prayer for our church too, right? Where people can say, wow, I, I don't know. They, they, I don't know about all the answers to everything. But one thing I do know is when I'm, and when I'm at that place, God is present. They've been spending time with God's word. They are shaped by his teaching. They are shaped by his ways. They love Jesus. They love the Holy Spirit. And they want to follow him in everything that they do. They're just a presence there of peace, a presence there of holiness. And you and I, we have that opportunity in our everyday life, but it comes in those moments where we stop and say, God, this is your day. I pray that you will lead me, God. I pray that you give me wisdom. I pray that you give me comfort, right? Every step of the way, Daniel, he faces a problem and he goes to God. He goes to God and he has the faith that God's going to give him the answers. God's going to give him the wisdom. And then when God does give him the wisdom, he takes a step forward. You know, something else that's pretty interesting here in this story, when, when God writes on the wall here, that's not very common in the Bible. And in fact, this is one of the few places where God actually speaks directly to his people, directly to people for a message. A lot of times he's speaking through a prophet, right? He's speaking through the disciples. The Holy Spirit's working in them in the New Testament and he uses his people. But this time he goes directly, right? And he is the finger of God. You know where else we see this? In Exodus, when he uh, writes the Ten Commandments on the tablets, right? The hand and the finger of God. And then we see the Ten Plagues where uh, the magicians, they look back and they go, wow, this is the finger of God. This is the hand of God. And we see that God uses these particular times to get a message out. And so we continue here in Daniel chapter 5. And now we're going to really see what these words are and what these words mean here in Daniel chapter 5 we're going to start in verse 22 it says this is Daniel just addressing Belshazzar the king you are his successor and he's talking about King Nebuchadnezzar and how Belshazzar watched King Nebuchadnezzar uh, go away from God go away from his ways and worship other idols and he and he's basically saying Belshazzar you're doing the same thing you didn't learn you didn't learn and so in verse 22 it says you are his successor O Belshazzar and you knew all of this yet you have not Humbled yourself. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from, from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. I'll, this part here. Gods that neither see 
nor hear, know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent this hand to write this message. This is the message that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. These are what the words mean. Here's the message here. Mene means numbered. God has numbered your days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar's command. Daniel was dressed in purple robes. A gold chain hung around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom that very night Belteshazzar the Babylonian king was killed and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62 Daniel comes this is a heavy message to deliver and Daniel has to deliver this kind of message over and over again because King Nebuchadnezzar and Belteshazzar they continue to go against God's ways but we see this two instances here that God is holy and God is just right and he doesn't just let everybody go and go just live how you want to right and I'm going to offer forgiveness right but he goes I am holy and I am just but we see that he is patient that over and over again, he says, I'm going to give you multiple warnings. I'm giving you all, I'm giving King Nebuchadnezzar all of these warnings over and over again because he's hoping that he will turn and worship the true God, right? But King Nebuchadnezzar kept going back. And then Belshazzar, he's saying, I'm giving you all of these warnings and you didn't learn from your predecessor. You didn't learn for yourselves. And so now I have to step in. Now I have this moment of, of division in your kingdom. And I just want to take a few moments and, and talk about what each one of these means not only for them, right? We see what it meant for Belshazzar in the Babylonian nation. But what does that mean for you and I, right? Because we don't have a kingdom. Like I'm not a king of a kingdom, right? I, I don't have my own rule. It's not going to be divided one day. There's not much to divide, right? And all of this. So what does that mean for us in our lives? And we see that, that this truth, the first one, he says, mene, mene, numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. I think for you and I, the Bible teaches us here in Psalm 90 12 it says so teach us to number our days that we may have the heart of wisdom right teach us to number our days so you and I know that this life is not going to last forever right James and uh, James chapter 4 describes that it is a mist but a vapor right the one moment we're here and the next moment we are gone that that uh, we are not going to continue on this earth forever but our days and it brings about you and I it doesn't bring this weight of discouragement But in Christ, we have this hopeful expectation that we are going to be in the presence of God. But it also gives us this urgency, right? It gives us this purpose and this mission of going, you know what? It's wise to understand that truth. It's wise to understand that because we can end up like Belshazzar, right? Oh, I just have one life. I'm going to live forever. I am the king. I can do whatever I want, right? But I realize, you know what? No. My days are numbered. They need to be purposeful. They need to be meaningful. They need to be intentional. I need to take every day of God. What is my mission today? God, how do you want to use me today? And it's a beautiful picture, right? And I believe it is a healthy weight that we must carry, right? This revelation that God has numbered our days. And these two words, I was talking to Dave this week, and these two words have just been on my heart here lately. Because of everything going on and just uh, we're heading into the holidays and sometimes it can, life can get heavy. Am I right? Like life can get heavy and you're just we're trying to carry it all. 
But I believe I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful for the church because I believe Jesus is the answer. And I still see him healing and redeeming and changing lives today. So I'm hopeful. But the weightiness of our world, I have a hopeful urgency, right? It's a hopeful, these two words are just on my heart, a hopeful urgency because Jesus is coming back one day and my time on earth, you know, I have a beginning and an end and God has a purpose for me every day. And I'm like, God, what is the urgency of how you want to guide and direct. And then he continues here and he says this. He says the second word, tikel, means weighted. You have been weighed on the balances and you have not measured up. You know what's beautiful about this picture? This is an incredible picture of the gospel. Here in the Old Testament, God, he sends his own message directly to people where he's writing on the wall. And I believe it's such an important message because it is the gospel. It's the story of the entire Bible because you and I, in Romans 3.23, it says that we have been weighed, right? We have been measured. We fall short of the glory of God. It says every single person, when we read through the list of the Ten Commandments and all of the laws in the Old Testament that God gave before us, we get down to about two or three and we're like, wow. Yeah, I've fallen short. I've made mistakes. I've, I've lied. I have uh, envied somebody else's things. And whatever that may be, it's like, wow, I, I definitely do not measure up. And we see the balance in the scale here. This is a functioning balance. Go get that? Anyway, and so we see this here. But we get on one side. And I just I wanted to use this illustration but think, because I think it's pretty powerful. Because in our lives, when we are weighed and measured before God's law, we do not equal out. We are found wanting, right? We feel the weight that God is holy and we are not equal up to it, right? We have fallen short. There is a definite difference here, right? But what you and I do, and this is what Belshazzar did as well, is we only view ourselves from the earthly perspective. And here's what we do. We take this. Don't fall over. We take this and we're like, you know what? I don't even need, you know, you know, this is the eternal perspective. This is the spiritual weight that God is talking about. And I just don't need to see this. The Bible even describes this, that we are blind to God's message, right? And here we're hiding this and going, you know what? I I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to worry about that. Like Belshazzar, he's like, let's live it up, right? Like, let's just live in the moment. Here's what it's about, right? Because it's all about now and what's happening on earth. But God wants to show us that there is an eternity that you and I have been created for. There is things that are happening behind the scenes that God is moving and working with. And here's what happens when you and I just focus on this, because this is reality. This is happening on earth, right? But all you and I feel is the weight of this sin, right? All we, because all that's all that is here is this weight that has weighed us. This is shame. This is guilt. This is the heartache. This is the, I, I can't believe I did that because we can't see the answer, right? We, we're, we've hidden it or we turn away from it or maybe we've never heard about it before, right? But all we're carrying is, is that this life is incredibly difficult and it is heavy and I'm carrying the weight of shame and guilt and I'm not good enough and I can't make it. And the devil, he likes blinding this, right? Because let's just keep piling this weight on. Let's just keep holding them back. Let's just keep stopping them from really seeing the truth is what is happening right but what Jesus wants to reveal to you and I right what God wants us to realize 
is that he is the answer for the imbalance. He is the answer for the weight that you and I feel. And can I be honest with you? I believe he is the only answer. The one who can only sustain that kind of weight and that kind of spiritual strength. Because only can we have somebody who is holy and eternal and never created come and be created on this earth. And then give his life who is perfect and holy and sacrifice his life because the wages of sin is death. And Christ says, you know, I love my people so much. I love my creation so much. I want to provide a way for them. I want them to see this. I want them to understand. And so Christ provides a way to balance out the scales. Y'all don't judge my scale because if it don't balance out. To balance out the scale for you and I. And now the weight is lifted, right? The weight is lifted and Christ has taken this weight off our shoulders. And now we live a different lifestyle because we realize I am not made just for this earth. I am made for eternity and Christ has taken that weight off of me. I have been set free. I have been redeemed, right? And now I want other people to know. I want to kind of help peel the layers back of going, this isn't it. You don't have to carry the weight. There is more that is out there and Christ has provided a way because the last word that he talks about here is divided another translation will say that you have been found wanted right that and we see in Matthew 25 when Jesus returns he is saying I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats right I'm going to separate those who truly follow me and those who do not follow me that you and I there will be a day when we have to face they come face to face with God and he is going to weigh Every single one of us. And on our own, we fall short. On our own, we fall to sin. But what Jesus says, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And those who believe in me, I will take that way. I will atone for their sin. I will make a way for you. I will make a way for those who believe in me. And we may be sitting here thinking, how can a loving God... Send people to hell. How can a loving God look at his creation and go, oh, let me just separate the, the sheep from the goats here. How can he do that? And I, I'm reminded of this story every time where there was a season in my life where uh, the kids were younger and they rode the bus home. Um, from school and one of the days they got off the bus and they uh, come off the bus you know when they're young they're super cute they're like ah you know they want to hug you and all that and so they're coming off and we're uh, hugging them and hanging out well our youngest uh, son Bennett he's excited he's ready to get home so he takes off around the bus and he cuts across the street right and as he cuts across the street of course we're like I'm like no like, like the cars are coming I'm like stop what are you doing like you can't do it. you know I'm running after him his brother Brothers are running after him. Stop. You know, trying to get his attention. You better stop. And finally, he recognizes and he stops. And the car sees him. The car stops and he comes back. And I just remember that. Like, you know, my heart's pumping. Adrenaline's going. But I'm just like, well, you like stop right all of this moment, all of this situation. And that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus is doing for you and I. 
He is, does not want you to go to hell. He does not want you to be divided. He sent his son Jesus. He gave us all of this, right? All the Old Testament story after story after story of God and his faithfulness. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to send my son Jesus to come here. It's so much better than riding in the sky. I'm going to send you myself, right? I'm going to send you my son. And he dies on the cross for you and I. And then you and I, when we we go back and try to prove that Jesus did not come to this earth and he did not die on the cross. I would guarantee, that's where I would tell you to start. If you want to disprove anything, start with the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, I'll put my money on it. I put my life on it. Like start there because it is true. And if that is true, that is the hinge pin of the Christian faith. And that's the hinge pin that you and I can place our faith on. But not only that. He sent me. He sent all these people in this church as that continued voice of going, you don't have to live this way. Not only did he send his son, but now he's sending his church. You and I have a mission, right? We're continually trying to, people are like, you know what? No, I don't want to think about that right now. You and I come back. No, let's talk about it. Let's think about it, right? Like, no, I don't want to talk about it, right? I just, I feel this way. Well, let me just show you right here. And we keep bringing that back because it's so important, this hopeful urgency. This is the answer. We carry the answer of the message. The hope of the world, the king of glory has made a way. And we have the privilege of walking out these walls and carrying that hopeful expectation every single day. That the world doesn't have to be divided like this. That Jesus has made a way. And so he has made all of these opportunities for you and I to carry this message out into our world. And so that's my prayer today. Is that we would look at Daniel chapter 5 and, and not step back and be a Belshazzar right here in our life of going, you know what, I, I just, I, I don't want to address this. I, I, I just don't want to see this. I, I, I don't see how God is relevant for me today. And my prayer is that this story and the gospel message gives you an opportunity where the veil has been removed. And now we can see the truth. Now we can see the way, right? We can see the life that Jesus has provided. And he can take that weight off of your shoulders. He is the God of second chances. He is the God of third chances, right? He is the God who says, bring me everything you got. And I will work to redeem it. Give me, give me all of your mistakes. Give, bring to me everything you have thought. Bring to me everything you have done. Bring to me all of that. I, tr I promise you he is big enough to handle it all, right? Bring me all of your questions. Bring me all of your anger. Bring me all of your hurt. Bring me all of the weight and the expectation of what you thought on this world. And he's like, bring it to me. And if you'll trust me, I'll take the weight off. But he is not a God who's going to come in and force his creation, right? True love is that moment, gives that choice of going, you know what? I, I want you to choose me. I want you to have this opportunity. And so the Holy Spirit begins to pull on our hearts, begins to pull us here in this moment. And so I just want to pray for us and ask us as a church, one, maybe you've never given your life to Christ before. And maybe you're in this room or listening online and you've actually been attending church for a long time. But maybe for you, it's just been this kind of religious act where you show up and check it off the box. And maybe for the first time, you're going, you know what? I've never had a relationship. I've never actually trusted Jesus 
as my Lord and Savior. And I want to do that today. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And that's an opportunity that every person has right here today. We don't have to wait. The veil has been taken off, right? Amen. And so I just want to pray for us. And if you've never given your life to Christ before, I'd love to pray with you right here, right now in this moment. And so with every head bow, let's pray together. And uh, if you want to give your life to Christ here, there's no, uh, just, there's, there's no uh, method in our words. It's a confession of faith that we have in Christ. And so just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I know that I have fallen short. I know that I have sin in my life, God. Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose again. God, would you take this weight? I pray that you would save me, God. And if you prayed that prayer here today, we're, we're a family. We love you. I want to take this moment. Where I, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to connect with you right after church. If everybody else, you guys can go ahead and look back up at me as you had that private moment there. Maybe you just have a connect card right there in your seat. You can fill that connect card out and say, hey, I gave my life to Christ right here. And we'd love just to walk with you. You're not meant to walk through this life alone. I'll, I'll tell you, look, you come to me, I'm going to give you a hug. We're going to celebrate because you're in the family of God. And that's something we celebrate. Luke 15 says that angels in heaven are celebrating. It may be a moment for you, but you're in the family of God. And that's something we get excited about around here. And we see that the next step is baptism. And I'd encourage you, if you've never taken that public step of baptism, we call it believer's baptism, where you've given your life to Christ. And now I'm taking that step of baptism. And the gospel is so good. Isn't it? And that's what these disciples and acts, that's what they gave their lives for. This message that we are set free because of Jesus, right? And Jesus has the answer. And you may be a student in here. You may be an adult. You may be retired no matter where you are. I'm here to declare to you today, you still have a mission and a purpose. And God wants to use you today, right now. Hopeful urgency. This message is still true. I still see people get saved week in and week out. He is still active and he will use you if you'll let him. And I'm telling you, you we think we have to have all the answers. The number one thing God's looking for is availability. He's saying, God, I'm available. Use me. Like, just use me, God, right? Don't come back doing like four weeks. God, I feel used. I just, the church is using me and that just, all of these things, right? And that, I'm telling you, it's this moment of expectation when we experience God working through us. And we step back and go, whew, this thing is real. God is real. He is still saving lives. And I know many of you, God has worked through you over and over again. And my prayer just as a church. That's my hope. Is that we come together. And that this message is what we're going to proclaim. Until Jesus comes back. And so we're going to be walking together as a church. We're going to share the gospel. Week in and week out. We're going to go do a fall festival. We're going to meet new people. Right. We're going to say hey. You can be a part of this too. God has a plan for you too. Right. We're going to do this. Continue. Because we believe that it is still real. It is still relevant. And God is still active today. And he has called us. And he's called every single person in this room to this message. To this truth as well. 
And so my prayer is, is that you and I would link arms and say, you know what? We're in this together. We don't have all the answers, right? And we're going to mess up from time to time, right? But I got your back. We're going to continue to move forward for the gospel. We're following Jesus as close as we can. We may not have all the answers, but those people, they've been with Jesus. They don't have all the answers, but those people, they have, they have the holy God living in them, right? What a testimony. And that's my prayer for us today. So let's pray together as a church. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your truth, your power. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for Jesus. That he died on the cross for us, God. I pray that you will speak to our hearts here today. I pray that you'll give us wisdom. I pray that you'll give us encouragement, God. I pray that you will speak to our hearts and that we will live with this hopeful urgency, God, that the writing's on the wall, but you have an answer to that writing that is on the wall, God. And I pray that you would just use us, God. My life, our life, they're yours, God. I want to be available to you. I pray that you'll speak to us every day. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.